0: celebrate the Lord's Supper with our homebound members, and as we do so, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapters 10 and 11, because Paul gives to us a thorough discussion of the subject. In chapter number 10, it seems that Paul was concerned with idolatry entering into the church, and so he mentions it several times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 7, The apostle wrote, and do not be idolaters as some of them were. In verse number uh, 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. In verse number 19, what do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything. And then in verse number 28, but if anyone should say to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols... Do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, and for conscience' sake. So the apostle here is concerned about idolatry, and I think within the context, he is concerned that the Lord's Supper become an item of idolatry. You see, that is a temptation that we all face, and the reason that God said we are not to make any Graven images, because the image or the symbol can become the object of worship. Now, as we look at these scriptures, the Corinthians have overestimated the power of the Lord's Supper. If you look at chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. "...and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ." It seems that Paul is saying the Corinthians believed that if they participated in the Lord's Supper, then they became immune to the temptations of their fathers. We also face this same temptation, that religious symbols become objects of worship for us. Let me give you two examples. The Lord has given to the church two ordinances, that of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, sometimes there are those people who take those two religious symbols and they become objects of worship. For instance, baptism. Baptism is a symbol of salvation. When a person goes into the baptistry, there is a picture of that person before they were saved. When they go under the water, that is a picture of the old person who is dead and buried. When they come up out of the water, that is a picture of them as a new person who has become a child of God. But for some people, the symbol becomes salvation. I talk with people at times and ask them if they are Christians, and they will respond I have been baptized or I was baptized, the danger here is that the symbol of salvation for them becomes salvation. The same danger goes with the Lord's Supper. They are those who believe that participation in the Lord's Supper somehow makes them right with God. So the Corinthians had overestimated the power of the Lord's Supper, but they'd also underestimated the true power and the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Look at chapter 10, verse number 16. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? So what is he saying? He is saying that as we participate scripturally in the Lord's Supper, it is a time of spiritual nourishment. That we are nourished spiritually as we participate. Now, how does that work? Well, he says in chapter 10, verse number 21, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Here's what he's saying. When we scripturally participate in the Lord's Supper, then we are spiritually nourished and satisfied. Therefore, we do not desire the table of demons. So, as I look at these two chapters within their context, it seems to me, and he discusses the Lord's Supper in both chapters. So it seems to me within that context, in chapter number 10, he expressing concern that the Lord's Supper become an item of idolatry. When we come to chapter number 11, then he begins to give us instruction as to how we are to participate. He says, first of all, there is a look backward. In chapter 11, verse number 2, Now I praise you because you remember me in everything And hold firm to the traditions, just as I delivered them to you. So as we come to the Lord's Supper, then we look back to the traditions of the church, the traditions of the saints. Do you realize that as you participate in the Lord's Supper, that you are doing what Christians throughout Christian history have done? So we then look back to tradition. But then he says, look upward in verse number 3 of chapter 11. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. So he says we look back to the traditions, and now then we look up to Christ, who takes precedence over any and every tradition. And then we look inward. To see if we are prepared spiritually to participate in the Lord's Supper. So he says we look backward to the traditions, we look upward to the Lord, and then we look inward to make sure that our hearts are right as we come to the Lord's table. He then addresses the problems of the Corinthians as they were participating in the Lord's Supper. And he said there were divisions within the church. In chapter 11, verse number 18, for in the first place, When you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. The truth is, the Corinthian church was badly divided. And so Paul had admonished them in chapter 1, verse number 10, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and there be no divisions among you. That was his admonition to them. I don't want you to be divided. And yet they were. They were divided over leadership. Some said we are of Peter. Others of Paul. Some of Apollo. Some said we don't follow anyone except Jesus. They were divided. They were divided over doctrine, especially spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, within this church, they were actually suing each other. Now, folks, there's not anything wrong with having honest differences. We don't all see things the same way. But it had gone far beyond that with the Corinthians to the point that there were factions within the church. So in chapter 11, verse number 19, he says, For there must also be factions among you, in order that those who are approved may have become evident among you. What had happened within this church is that they had perverted the fellowship of the saints, and now there were factions that had developed within the church. The halves. And the have-nots. So when they came to the Lord's Supper, those who were wealthy, they were over here with their fine meals. And those who were poor were over here having less to eat. And so they were factions that had divided the church and it had been accepted. But Paul is addressing it. Well, what does he say? Look at chapter 11, verse number 20. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not To eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, one takes his own supper first, one is hungry, another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. Paul is saying, What you're doing is not taking the Lord's Supper. Now, folks, we can come together and eat the bread and drink the cup, but if there are sinful divisions and factions, Paul is saying, then you are not participating in the Lord's Supper. You might be eating the elements and drinking the element, but you are not participating in the Lord's Supper. Then he gives us some principles for participation. Principle of remembrance in chapter 11, verse number 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, you are aware that the Lord's Supper corresponds to the Jewish Passover, And the Jewish Passover was a time of remembrance. It was a time when they remembered their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. So it was a time of remembrance. When we come to the Lord's Supper, it is a time of remembrance. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus. That Jesus gave His life on the cross. Therefore, when we participate in the Supper, we remember His sacrifice. The bread represents His broken body. The juice represents His shed blood. So it is a time to remember His sacrifice and to remember His substitute. That when Jesus died on the cross, He became a substitute for you and for me, taking our sins upon Himself. And that was the reason John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the Paschal Lamb. So there's the principle of remembrance. Principle of proclamation in verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. What is the message? The Lord's death. He died on the cross. What is the mandate? Till He comes. We proclaim the death of Jesus until He comes again. So there is the principle of proclamation and then the principle of expectation in verse number 26 when he says, Until he comes. Did you know the second coming of Christ is mentioned more than 300 times in the New Testament? That Jesus Christ is coming again. He is going to return as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is going to return in victory and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And the Bible says his return is the hope of believers. Well, then we see a personal accountability for our participation. We have a responsibility here. Examination, chapter 11, verse number 28. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The the instruction here is that we are to examine ourselves. The problem we have is that we usually want to examine someone else. He said, no, we examine Examine yourself, examine your attitude, examine your relationships. Why is that important? Because of the consequence. Look at verse number 29 of chapter 11. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. You see, folks, when we come to the Lord's table, I always try to emphasize its importance. And that's what Paul is speaking of here, the importance of it. He says some of you are weak, that means they're sick, as a result of taking the Lord's Supper improperly. He said some sleep, that means they died because of improperly taking the Lord's Supper. But he gives a promise that relieves our apprehension, because you might be apprehensive at this time So, well, I don't think I'm going to participate. So he gives some relief from that in verse number 31. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. He said, if, if you judge yourself, God doesn't have to judge you. And then in verse number 32, but when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. So he says that God disciplines his child, but he does not condemn his child. So that, is the, that, is the, that removes the apprehension. So he says that the Lord's Supper is serious, and when we come to the Lord's table, we are to do so with the proper attitude, but then He gives us some relief from our apprehension. So there is examination. We are to examine ourselves. There is consideration in verse number 33. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Paul uses the word come together five times in this passage of Scripture. We are to be together. This is a time of unity. United in place, united in spirit, and wait for one another. Rich or poor, young or old, we are to be considerate of others. So we examine ourselves. We are considerate of each other. So the Lord's Supper is a special time of worship. It's time to look back and see the time-honored traditions of the saints. It is a time to look up. And see the sacrificial Lamb of God who died for us. It is a time to look out and proclaim the good news that Jesus loves people. And it is a time to look in to say, is my heart prepared as we come to the Lord's table? We're going to extend an invitation giving you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. I don't know what that uh, God would speak to you about, but it's so important as we come to this time that there is examination, that we examine ourselves. Am I right with God? Am I right with my fellow man? Am I right vertically? Am I right horizontally? Am I right? This is an opportunity for you to make things right with God if that's what needs to be done. Our Father in God, we come to this time asking, Lord, that you bring conviction of sin and any decisions, commitments that we need to make. I pray, Lord, that you will bless this invitation for those who are without Christ, that they might be saved. And, Lord, for those who need to make some commitment to join the church, whatever it is, that they would do so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please. And as we stand together, the choir is going to sing. And if you're here without Christ today, trust Him. If God has spoken to you about becoming a member of this church, our doors are open to you. You come and I greet you as you do.